Welcome to the Eurofast, a casual football podcast looking forward to Euro 2016. Today I'm joined by three fellow football enthusiasts. Adam. Hello. Liam. Hi. And Tom. Hello. And I'm Pete. Uh, <laughs> oh well. I tried. <laughs> um, uh, today is the last of our group previews. Uh, this time we're looking at Group F. Uh, before we get started, we're going to have another uh, kind of muscle loosener where we're going to... Uh, once again, look through uh, the dog-eared, commonly known as the warm-up. Yeah, Fine. the suppository of the Eurofiles podcast. All right, yeah. <laughs> we're going to look through, okay, in this warm-up, we're going to look through the dog-eared uh, World Soccer uh, magazine and read out the descriptions of some players going to the tournament from this group, and it will be the duty of uh, my three fellow football enthusiasts to guess who it is. And whoever guesses the most players gets the right responsibility to have the official word on how this group will go at the end of the podcast. Nice. I'm feeling sharp. Finish up. Yeah. You're feeling loose. Yeah, fresh. Yeah. Player one. Captain of his club and highly rated in England. He had to wait until hitting 30 before making his debut for his national team. I don't know what teams there are in the group. Um, <laughs> no, um, he told us for the team, you'll be fine. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah. the thing is, like, if I tell you the team, if it's not Iceland, it's going to be Sigurdsson, isn't it? Yeah. Is it Sigurdsson? Well, he's not 30. <laughs> he's not 30. Is <laughs> it? Not it? 30 year old. So the teams are Hungary, Austria, Portugal, and Iceland. Alice Jujak? No. Um, Yanuzovic. He plays for Southampton. Font. Yeah, Font. I said Font. Oh. I said it right at, like, at the beginning of this game. Oh, right. Sorry. Oh, well. Okay, point for Liam. Thank so you. You got a point anyway. Appreciate that. No tantrums, Liam. <laughs> <laughs> you got the point. Enough of those. <laughs> right. Tough tackling former Porto captain who holds the record as Portugal's Pepe. High, yeah, oh, no. Highest, highest scoring defender. Oh, Cavani. No. Tough Tackling yeah. former Porto captain. I've done the Porto. I should know. I should know. Who holds the record as Portugal's highest scoring defender? Tough tackling. tackling. Have to, have to say that again. Tough. We have said Bruno Alves already. You know that, right? Have we? Yeah, yeah. I said Bruno Alves. Oh, Are you oh. kidding me? Stop. <laughs> you gotta listen to me, Pete. Stop. I'll completely miss that. Tough tackling. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno Alves. Bruno Hardman Alves. Right. Okay. You're gonna say Bruno Alves. I'm gonna say yes. Sorry. Okay. Bruno Alves. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I'll give, I'll give it to you now. You ready? Bruno Alves. Yes. Oh, Brilliant. Oh, well, well, very good. Fantastic. <laughs> Should have said it earlier, Liam. <laughs> Is that two from Portugal? What? Oh, okay, I suppose you need to two from Portugal. So, player three. And it's two points for Liam so far. So, he could, get, he could win it with this. Surely not. Surely not. <laughs> Austrian player of the year for the last five seasons. David Alba. David Alba, Tom's got it. Yes, David. Tom, player four. So two for Liam, one for Tom, nothing for Adam. Left back who played in the Champions League for four seasons. Mitch Fuchs. Free kick. Fuchs, yeah, two for Tom. Fuchs. Two for Tom, right. Comes down, Adam's Adam's still in it. You can can still get a point. You can still get a point, it's fine. One of the last two. So, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Are you you staying up? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what we can do. Right, okay. Right, the final player. Mm. A tenacious player on loan at Monaco but faces a battle to be fit in time for the Euro. Bernardo Silva. No. Uh, Pesovic. No. A tenacious left back and former winger. Wallace. No. He's oh, Harvey Control. Harvey Control. Oh, cool. Got a point. Okay, you're out now. Nice. You got your point. Pesovic is Croatian as well, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, so a uh, tiebreaker. I really want to win this. <laughs> <laughs> And a tiebreaker will be an international player. You're going to guess how many uh, appearances they've made for their country, and the person with the closest guess wins and gets the rights and responsibility for the official prediction for the Eurofiles. So, 
Nanny. How many appearances have Nanny made for Portugal? I should, I guess in theory I should know this because I have been doing some research, but I don't, so I'm going to guess 90. 90, okay. It's been Tom. around. Um, 89. Oh, fuck you. I reckon it's, yes. I reckon it's 65. 95! Oh! Oh! <laughs> there we go, I guess it's <laughs> That was brilliant. 95, Caps, how old is he? 48. He's been playing since 2006 for oh, Portugal. Fair. 95, Caps. By one, Liam got that. Thank you. Brilliant. Uh, Fantastic. So, ooh. Liam, you've got to think long and hard about how the script's going to finish. because you'll, you'll be signing us off with that. So, uh, going into the teams now, uh, we always start with the favourite of the group. And this time round, the favourite is Portugal. So, uh, Liam, mm. how are Portugal looking for Euro 2016? I'll talk you through it. I think they're looking okay. Quietly confident, especially for the group, obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, they've had a relatively quiet qualifying campaign in general, apart mm. from the dramatic opener, losing to Albania, yeah. which I believe you guys have talked about in yeah, but, a previous podcast. But even so, I I mean, extra, but, but quite, Portugal uh, losing to Albania, that's a big thing. I mean, I think what it really did is it highlighted how lacking they are in goals yeah and it wasn't exactly that they were outclassed at all it's just that albania nicked a goal and portugal couldn't answer and they yeah. only drew with them in the other, yeah they, in the, after that there was that exactly. 93 minute penalty. they've become a bogey team for portugal they yeah. clearly have but um <laughs> yeah so after that managerial change Tony the guard and flando santos came in and i mean after he came in that was they went on a record seven straight victories which is uh, yeah a record for portugal yeah but they only scored 11 goals in the entire campaign. Hmm. It, was a, it was a shorter campaign than most. It's a smaller group. Um, yeah, they had the smaller group, didn't they? Yeah, the yeah. smaller, yeah. smaller qualifying group. But even still, they could, I mean, they could really, they struggled to find goals. I in, imagine but, that Ronaldo scored a lot of those goals. Yeah, because they, they played with Adair up front. Funnily enough, Ronaldo doesn't play up front for Portugal, which I know he, he doesn't. Yeah, he, you'd think he would. Yeah. But for, I mean, for most of his Portugal career, he hasn't. And at the moment, they've got Adair playing up front with, with Ronaldo supporting him. Yeah. And it's, Obviously not really working, but they're doing okay. They've got quite a, quite an interesting team. Yeah, I think Eder playing up front of Portugal was interesting. He's the only natural striker they've taken, and he signed for Lille half through this season and added a lot to their forward line, which was much like Portugal was lacking a central striker. Yeah, not score, not prolific by any means, but leads the line really well. So could do the same for Portugal if Ronaldo doesn't fancy playing up front. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So apart from so Eder obviously up front. Uh, mm. Obviously Ronaldo I guess would be playing just behind him then. Yeah, Ronaldo. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. played. He's just sports right behind. I mean, I, Santos recently quoted as saying that we we have a well defined strategy with no fixed players. Hmm. We like mobility and we don't have a specific formation. But I concede that it's probably closer to a four four two. I mean, it's pretty. It's that, a, that, when you look just, at it, it's a pretty standard setup. That just that just smacks of Fernando Santos not knowing what he's doing. Exactly right. right. I mean. <laughs> He hasn't been in the job for long. I mean, yeah. so I guess he's still figuring it out, even though he did have most of the qualifying campaign. That's yeah. that's what's new to him. And they've got quite a interesting team in that it's it's a well balanced well balanced between experienced players and youth. So, I mean, notable players, Pepe. Yeah, of course. Start, starting with Pepe, famously disliked by Gary Lineker, <laughs> as I'm sure you all saw the tweet. Um, not one of Tom's favourite players yeah, no, he's, 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 he's not, not one of many people's favourite players yeah, he's, he's even not in Portugal for, yeah. no but yeah. he is very good and he's been very good for Portugal although he, he does tend to get sent off 
Yeah, and I, th- I think not he did a twenty fourteen, didn't he? Not recently though. Like, no, he, when he was that? He- when was that headbutt? Was that twenty fourteen? I think that was twenty fourteen. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Miller on the ground, wasn't he? Sort of yeah, against yeah. Germany. Yeah, that was a four when they lost four nil. Yeah, yeah, four nil start. So a bad start to the last yeah. tournament. But he's still a very good, a very good person to have. In he is like they have got quite a strong. Um, they're quite strong defensively with yeah. him, and then they've got Font as we. Yeah, they, they have one. Yeah, have one too. And he's, I mean, he's a good player. He's, yeah, he played Premier League, Premier League uh, common, you know, a good Premier League player. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, good, uh, good in the back. And what's it, Rui Patricio in goal? Who's yeah, a sporting keeper. Yeah, so who's getting? He's getting. He's he's getting more experience. And he's he's not a bad keeper. No, and also uh, Ricardo Carvalho, who's playing for uh, Monaco. Yeah, at the moment, who uh, is uh, is is a, a pretty decent player. Is uh, um, alongside Pepe. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he's done well in France this season. He's had a good season. Overall, but he, he is aging, and Ligon suits him because yeah. the way the way the division works is that it's very it's relatively defensive, relatively slow. Monaco don't leave much space in behind, so he's not like he's on the shoulder chasing mm. quick forwards like for balls over the top. So, as a pound for pound defender, he's one of those sort of very aggressive. He's gonna he's gonna kick people. He's gonna pull shirts, and he's a good he's a good defender. Like so, he's a good partner for Pepe. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm. they're they're an interesting pair. Yeah, and then including if we talk about Bruno Alves as well, he's a tough, yeah. he's a, he's a tough tackler. <laughs> they do have quite yeah, they've got quite a like Brutal. a tough. Defend, although he is, I mean, he's aging, and that's I mean, to say the least. He's he, like 36. I mean, he's, he's mistaking Harry Kane's head for a ball these yeah. days. So. Exactly. Do, I, that doesn't carry over, does it? Do, do the cards in friendly? I don't no. think it does, no. I, don't think, I think it's no, okay. No. Yeah. But, I mean, um, he's, I, he's, this is his third Euros, yeah. and I mean, almost certain. I mean, yeah. Of course, it's almost yeah. certainly his last 42, Euros. 42. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, like you say, sorry, moving forward. In yeah, the, and then uh, they have, team. I mean, quite, and again, quite a strong, on paper, quite a strong midfield. With yeah. William Carvalho, who... I don't know how he's been this season. I mean, I, as an Arsenal fan, I hear his name twice a year. Um, in, <laughs> in, January. in January and then in the summer. Yeah. And that's never happened. And now that Zach has come in, it's probably not going to happen. But he's he's always been talked about as a calm and strong midfielder. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, it's a good... I mean, it's a, he, he's, a, he's got a good, good amount of experience. Yeah, and also uh, Jean Mortinho as well mm. uh, for Monaco. So, yeah, yeah, yeah a player who, who's always had a lot of promise. Uh, went to Monaco... Kind of, it wasn't. He was he was wanted by a lot of clubs, wasn't he? And he, kind yeah. of, he chose the money, and it hasn't really worked out for him. Yeah, I think he actually said this season that he threat he threatened to leave if Monaco didn't change their policy because when he when they signed him, it's like wasn't he signed up for because he's yeah. he signed him with Bam Rodriguez and Falcao, yeah. and they've sold those players and changed their recruitment policy quite drastically. So, so Jean Moutinho is the only player we want. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so he might he might leave the summer if, if there was a buyer, but yeah. Also yeah. with William Carvalho, it's interesting because. He always gets linked with Arsenal, especially. But I, I'm not sure he'll start for Portugal. Danilo's been playing in, in recent friendlies, yeah. so he could play ahead of That's him. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's been very good, in fact, coming forward. Um, yeah, um, so, they, so, so Danilo's, Danilo's a good option, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Then there's Andre Gomez. They have... Yeah. I mean, Valencia themselves have had a turbulent, a torrid season, turbulent season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, uh, João Mario, who's an up-and-coming mm-hmm. uh, sporting player, too. So yeah. they're... they're they have a lot, of, again, a lot yeah. of promise midfields. And then talking about the fact that they also have quite an interesting youth, Renato Sanchez. Absolutely. Who yeah. I hadn't really seen play at all up until that England game. But in his short cameo, he was the only bright oh. spot on what was a dreadful he was a metric performance. In that, game. that run, he he get two or three players he skipped past and then Sterling pulled him down. Yeah, he, he, he looks really, really strong and like really, really good on the ball for however... Is he 19? He's 18. Yeah. Is he seriously 18? Oh, yeah, I mean, if he, you expect him to get some time off the bench and who knows he could he could light it up after talking about Ronaldo yeah I mean he's he 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 was a little bit was he going into the Champions League final a little bit injured or yeah he's not, not fully 100%. fit at the moment yeah so then it's a bit of a question didn't he I think 
Sorry? In a tight I mean, he will, unquestionably. You're right, mate. I know, right? He's having a great time with the call. I mean, unless something drastic happens, he will obviously play and he will make an effort. I mean, he. Yeah. This is the like the one dark patch on his career is that he's never succeeded with what is not like I mean not like they've been a brilliant team but he's always had quite a good supporting cast around him playing yeah. Portugal and they've not really achieved much I mean semi-final run when was it oh no the final in Portugal they lost in fact yeah they're the only this is a, a, a sad fact for Portugal they're the only host nation to lose in a final yeah of a Euro tournament hmm. but yes I'm sure he wants to, I mean he'll want more than anything to try oh, and absolutely. do something with them and, and he's a player who, who who genuinely can win this tournament on his own if he's on top form. Yeah. Um, and, and can drag Portugal there, can inspire the young players around him. It's just interesting that he's never really been able to find goals with the team. He yeah. is, I mean, to be fair, he scored a lot of goals for Portugal, but he, he hasn't really replicated his no, he hasn't. form. And, and you've got to wonder why that is. I think also, it's, it's a bit psychological with Ronaldo. Um, he has this problem where he is the main man but he because he's the main man he he thinks that he's better than Portugal and all these players around him aren't good enough for him and mm. everything is not his fault and all mm. this and so if they're playing bad he does tend to just go for assault those basically. tantrums that he pulled in the last World yeah. Cup yeah but after Pepe got sent off and he was just he was just shouting at players and just mm. and he was shooting from like 40 yards out. Yeah, because yeah. he, he that's the only way they can score. Yeah. And as well, in, in 2012, when I went out on penalties to Spain, and uh, he mm. uh, didn't take the fourth penalty, he, Bruno Alves oh, took yeah. instead, and he deliberately mouthed so that the cameras could see him saying, I should have taken it. He deliberately did that. Yeah. And it's just that attitude of just like, it's all down to me, no one else is good enough. That mm. can, you know, he, he is obviously a massive, massive plus for Portugal, but also can hinder them if he isn't feeling like it. It basically depends on his mood, their, mm. their, their, their tournament chances. Yeah. Um, so you know, in and around him as well. You know, you know, they've got some really promising players. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Rafa Silva as well. Bernardo Silva is a player I really like. He's not mm. in the squad. He's actually injured, but um, it'd be a shame. It'd be a shame for them. He not wouldn't, might probably wouldn't have started, but mm. on form, he's a really creative influence for Monaco and uh, has been has had patches of, of good form this season. Uh, but a young player, only twenty one, I think. So you know, he, he'll be yeah. one for the future. They've got some good young players like Sanchez as well, and mm. you know, Rafa Silva they, they as well. Yeah, Rafa Silva as well, but. Gian Mario has been linked with Man United and PSG, so you know they've they've got. I still think that their age is is slightly overbearing. You look at their, their four centre backs with Pepe, mm. Carvalho, Fonte, and Bruno Alves. Fonte's the youngest of thirty two. Yeah. And their two full backs are <laughs> converted wingers in Elisao and and Verahinha. Both good players, but I, I'd still worry about them defensively if they're going to get caught in behind. Maybe those full backs. I haven't seen too much Portugal to be honest, but mm. maybe the full backs. Could yeah. get caught out, and hmm. pace could be an issue for them if they if they play try and play more expansively than hmm. other teams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's really going to come down to well, both that and the goals. They really just need to find a way to score. Yeah. Um, I don't know much. I mean, I don't know how defense. We I guess we'll talk about this later. I don't know how def- how good defensively the rest of the teams in this group are, but they just if they can click, I think they've got a good a good squad, a good enough squad to have a run. And they've never failed to qualify through or go come through the group stages in a yeah. Euro tournament. So and also, they've got quite a history. On that on that kind of note of, of their place in this group, they they have a style which is very much different to Iceland, Hungary and Austria and mm. how they play. And they have a lot of different qualities to those teams. Mm. So it could be that you know, it could be that they do storm this group, but it also could be that they just can't click and it's a nightmare for them. Yeah. Um so although they're the favourites in this group it's it's contentious, I think. Mm. So, uh, great. So that was uh, uh, Portugal. Thanks, Liam. Uh, mm-hmm. Going on to 
Uh, the next team in the group, uh, Hungary, Adam. Indeed, Hungary. Um, first major tournament since qualifying for the World Cup in 1986. Obviously a favourite of mine, bearing in mind my opening question answer to the, on the first part about England's 5 or 6-3 defeat at Wembley in the 50s. Um, they were in that group that we spent most of the last few podcasts slagging off in Norway, <laughs> Norway sort of Northern Ireland, Romania, Greece, that group. And they came third in that group. So they came behind Romania. We know how terrible Romania is. So <laughs> Romania are becoming the real kind of yeah. boys in this podcast. Yeah, living. Um, so I think they're an extremely average side. Um, and I, I, as, as much as I like them and I'm a, I'm a fan, I, I fear for them at these championships. They have been handed what looks like a relatively kind draw on the face of it, but then I think every team in this group will be saying it looks like a relatively kind draw, bearing in mind the teams in it. Um, to, just to give you some context, uh, two of their most important players are Bas Dujak, who was fantastic at PSV Eindhoven when he, when he began his career. Um, I think he's got 44 goals in 120-odd uh, Eredivisie games when he started PSV. He was linked with loads of Premier League clubs, really direct winger, and shoot from distance was fantastic in periods for them. Hmm. Moved to Anzi Bashkashkala and didn't really work out for him. That club kind of imploded and he moved on to Dynamo Moscow, I think, or Lokomotiv Moscow in Russia and sort of faded a little bit. Ended up in uh, in Turkey with Bursaspor and he hasn't had the best of seasons, been in and out of the side. But for Hungary, he's by far the most best, by far the best player. A talismanic figure for them, their captain. And if they're going to do anything in this tournament, they'll be heavily reliant on him performing well. Um, one of their other most important players is a uh, Premier League legend, Zoltan Gera. Zoltan Gera, so a Fulham legend. Yeah, Fulham legend. West Brom as well. He was playing for for a bit. I yeah. think he's at thirty-seven. He's now. I think he plays with Farage Varos back in Hungary. But given that he's yeah, thirty-seven, yeah, Farage yeah, yeah, Varos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um, he's so important for their midfield just because experience. And he's always been a good player. But given his age and the fact that he's still so important, kind of shows how weak this team are. I think. They're going to struggle. Um, Gabriel Karai as well, uh, Palace legend, famous for wearing his pajama bottoms when he's in goal. He's now <laughs> I was, forty. I was going to put. I love a goalkeeper who wears long trousers. It's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Look, look at look at the mud on his knees. Uh, I think mo- most of them are him, to be honest. Uh, he he um, <laughs> there was the, didn't the Paraguayan keep the famous Paraguayan keeper no. at free kicks and he no. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Rene Higuita. Oh. <laughs> Rene Higuita might be one. He, I think, you know, he did that. Was it that him that made that scorpion, scorpion save at Wembley? Yeah. He was wearing tracksuit bottoms in that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's right. Finchella there definitely did, didn't it? Oh, Why would sure. you wear tracksuit bottoms as a goalkeeper? I don't know. Well, well you're standing around. You yeah. might get chilly calves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want to graze your knees. Don't want to graze your knees, do you? Yeah. That and I like a keeper that wears a cap, like a base, like like a hat. Like Chris Chris Kirkland. Yeah, that's always a good look. Kevin Pressman loved a cap as well, as far as I remember. Imagine Petr Cech wearing a cap. <laughs> He's going really to put like a yeah. poker visor on that skull cap at some point. <laughs> yeah, he'll start for them. He'll be the oldest, one of the oldest uh, players to ever play at the Euros, and if not the oldest, Gabriel Karai. So he'll be start, their starting goalkeeper. Um, apart from those three players, they're very relatively uh, inexperienced. A lot of the squad still play in Hungary, a couple in sort of the German second division. And one player I would, would recommend looking out for is uh, a, a favourite of mine, Laszlo Kleinheiser, or Heiser, sorry. The Werder Bremen player. He plays for Werder Bremen, yeah. He's um, not, not, he made a huge impact at Werder Bremen, but for the national side, he was brought in um, when the manager Bern, Bernard Stock. Uh, yeah, Bernard Stork. Yeah, Stork, Burns, sorry. Burn Stork. Burn Stork. Burn okay. Stork. When he came in, he brought him in for the, the playoff games and play, played really well. And he's he's, he's a really good-looking 20-year-old uh, he's central... Really, he's a really good-looking. He's really good-looking. Oh. He's, he's ginger, so he's obviously brilliant. <laughs> um, he's, a, he, he's a really promising, I should say, um, <laughs> attacking midfielder slash central midfielder. And... Um, Really good on the ball, eye for a pass, like very in- good intensity about his game. Like yeah. I, I like him a lot, and I'm looking forward to seeing 
him play uh, this summer. So they've got some promise in midfield. They have, but their defence is, is brave, run the mill. Um, another player to look out for would be Adam Salai, who was, I think he at one point was at Real Madrid, like played for their Castilla team for, for a while. Moved to Germany, he was good for Mainz and had an unfortunate leg break, I think, and was out for quite a while. Returned to the team and ended up at Schalke, but, and hasn't been at his best for a while, but is one of their better players and could be, if they're going to score goals, you know, he could be the man. Uh, Christian Nemeth and Tamas Priskin are two names that Premier League fans might remember. They're both in the squad and will play relatively important parts as well. So it shows like how weak the team is, but in, in this group, they'll, they'll, have a, they'll have a chance of succeeding, but I, I would fear for them and whether they'll go much further than the group stages is very much open to debate. Yeah, well, it, yeah. I mean, looking at just their groups, have uh, how their games are falling as well. They have Portugal last, so mm. we're talking about if Portugal can get their goals together, that could be one hell of a game for Portugal. Mm. Um, but also, you know, in that opening game against Austria, that's key for them. They've really got to, they've really got to do something, get a point out of that game. Mm. Um, so we'll see what happens there. They're currently but, they're currently two hundred and fifty to one. Two hundred fifty one, yeah, they're the second to last. Yeah, they joined with said they're on par with Northern Ireland. So. Oh well, yeah, so they're, they're not. It's not looking good for Hungary, but um, a, a club, a, a country was a, a great footballing history, though. Absolutely, yeah, they were. Um, they should have won the World Cup in nineteen fifty four. They were two 0 up against the Germans in the final. Uh, ended up losing three two. Various controversial circumstances surrounding that. Uh, and much of that great team with Pushkas, Coxis, Hudiketi that revolutionised the way that football is played um, were sort of uh, dispersed around Europe with the Hungarian uprising in uh, in 1956 when the, their club side uh, were away on a European Cup game in Spain uh, and they, they, they basically couldn't get back into the country really so they were the team sort of dispersed around the continent and uh, Coxis and Hassan um, Seaborg ended up playing for, for Barcelona um, along with Laszlo Kabala, who was a famous Hungarian player, who um, the new camp was supposedly built for. Their original ground lay core wasn't big enough to hold enough of the, the people that wanted to see him play. Didn't play very much for Hungary, but was one of their bigger players, one of the best players that they've ever had. And um, yeah, they've always been uh, an exciting, uh, historically exciting anyway, not, not so much anymore. Well, I, th- I think as well, I mean, they're a country that definitely remembers that. And going to this tournament, they're very, very proud to qualify for this tournament. It, it's a, it's a callback to those days. Yeah, I think you know it's important for them to to show that they're still a relative, like they're still, uh, they still have some weight on the international stage. I guess like yeah. it's, it's important for them to to show that they're still punching. You know? Absolutely, and absolutely. You say it was the 80s that they last took part in the international. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. So that's Hungary, uh, a team that will struggle to get through, but it would be interesting to see what they can do in this group. Indeed. They're the, right. le- they're the team I'm least looking forward to watching play <laughs> the whole of the tournament. I'm looking forward to a Hungary Albania semi final, actually. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> not, not running out. Is Jamie Vardy having a party, Tom? No. No, okay. All right. He Watch might be it. in a minute, though. Oh, really? Yeah, he might. Well, well going on to Austria. Oh, he's having, he is having a party. Jamie Vardy's having Jamie a party. Seriously, he's starting it off yeah. with. Okay. Oh, he's having a party in Austria. Yeah. yeah. With and no just He's rocking out in Vienna right now. He is, yeah. He's a Mozart concert in Vienna. <laughs> a Mozart concert? Is he still <laughs> playing Mozart? Stage. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's getting, getting me while he's on stage with his baton. <laughs> conducting an orchestra doing dives off the stage yeah absolutely yeah so Austria uh, so uh, how are they approaching this tournament? How have they got here Tom? Um, well they've got here without losing in qualification. Really? Yeah. Ooh, that's pretty good. So I say they're kind of a well the, say they're like a dark horse that uh, people think might do well they're actually not so much of a dark horse yeah, they've kind of made it a decent team they've actually made it quite <laughs> obvious that they're not a bad side I think I think they're justified as the Jamie Vardy though yeah I, yeah, I agree the first Euro, Euro is that they've actually qualified for on merit 
so the last time they were in the Euros was in 2008 when they were hosts. Yeah, of course. So they qualified as hosts, but they finished third in their group uh, when they were at the tournament. In 2012, they didn't qualify. But this year, they won their group and won it comfortably ahead of Russia and Sweden, which mm. if you're going into it, I think you say that Austria were expected to finish behind both those sides. Yeah, two, two nations that you would expect to do well. Yeah, so they and the only the only time they dropped points during their qualification campaign was when they drew against Sweden and Sweden in their very first game. Oh, right. So... They've been doing. They've been doing pretty well. Yeah, that's that's a very good, uh, solid basis to go into the tournament on. Yeah, and um, um, and everyone's kind of talking about they don't necessarily have huge names in their team, but they've got some decent players, and a lot of commentators are commenting on their chemistry and their how their team is more than the sum of its parts. Do you think that uh, the uh, appointment of uh, Marshall Collar has uh, helped out in that regard? Yes, I do, Pete. <laughs> it's funny you were going to bring it up. Uh, did you know that Marcel Collar was managed by Roy Hodgson at Euro 96? Was he really? Yes. <laughs> that's, a little, that's a little fact. Fantastic. So, um, if you play Austria, it's a bit of a reunion. That's yeah, so, uh, and he has 55 caps for Sweden. For no, Switzerland. Switzerland. Why I, keep, why, I, keep on saying, I keep on confusing. Uh, and I was, I, was, I was going to say he played for Austria, but let's start that again. <laughs> So he has 55 caps for Switzerland, and that was when Roy Hodgson managed him. He's been manager of Austria since 2011. Another trivia fact about this manager, he played his whole youth, pretty much his whole youth, and all of his prof- his professional career for Grasshoppers for 24 years. Wow. So from 1972 to 1997, he made 428 appearances for, for Grasshoppers. Grasshoppers. Yeah. Is there um, a statue of uh, of uh, Marshall Collar outside the Grasshopper there should, Stadium? There should be. If not, there should, there should be. be. He's very well liked as well. He's and he's very well liked as Austria coach, and he's contracted until March 2017, so he's in it for the long term. Yeah, and he's known for liking quite high tempo football. Hmm. Which he's a, he's a mentalist as well. Like when they qualified for the the, the tournaments, uh, he turned up to the next press conference with a beret and a baguette. If you do a if you do a Google image search of him, hmm. they're all of him wearing a berry and eating a baguette. <laughs> so it's quite confusing if you're like. So he's happy to tournaments in France, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that was probably a reference rather than a All that berries and baguettes. <laughs> but in terms of his talking about how he likes high tempo, like pressing game, the f- approach he's going to take with his team is sticking one up top. So they're probably going to play like a, a four-two-three-one formation, and they have Mark Yanko. So he's a thirty-two-year-old forward who plays for Basel. And if you're going to compare him to someone we brought up in an earlier podcast, talking about Jan Koller for Czech Republic, about who he used to just be this like almost thug-like player <laughs> that no one could like heavy duty. Yeah, no one, no one knew what to do with him. Yeah, um, he's quite like that for Austria. So. He's six foot six. He's got twenty six goals in fifty two appearances, and um, he just scores goals. So he he causes causes defenses problems, and Austria have a lot of talent behind him, and their kind of main duty, according to the manager, is to just feed Mark Yanko. But it's it's interesting that it's good that they have that that outlet, but they do have a lot of talent themselves in that midfield. Yeah, do yeah. So Mark Yanko, kind of a cross between some people would say Ibrahimovic and closer. He's that kind of player. Andy Carroll, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And he's supported by kind of two players that kind of most people would know in Austria's team. So you've got 
David Alaba. David Alaba. <laughs> David Alaba. <laughs> so, what we said earlier, he's, he's only 23, 23 years old, but he's won Austrian Player of the Year the last five seasons, yeah. which is pretty ludicrous. Mm. He's already got 44 caps and 11 goals. Um, Pep Guardiola's called him God before <laughs> because he's able to do anything he's asked, that he asks of him. Um, and But he often plays at fullback for Bayern. But for Austria, he very much plays in centre of midfield. He's got that technical and, ability, isn't he? Yeah, he so he's sometimes. very much the kind of the, the central point of Austria's Austria's team, both going forwards and also in defence. Mm. There's been some pretty strange incidents with him recently in Austria where he's the only black player in Austria's whole squad. Mm. Like, there's been some weird, like, like satirical comedies in Austria where they've kind of portrayed him as like an outsider, and mm. like, and there's been. There's been some Austrian politicians who've been speaking to him like on the training field in English because they don't think he's Austrian and stuff like this, mm. which is a bit and it's a bit strange. That is strange. So yeah, um, was he yeah. was he born and brought up in Austria? Yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. So very strange. It's 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 just a bit of a bit of a strange situation. But he's still very much their talisman. Doesn't hasn't really affected him. He's kind of brushed it off, and he's very much the, the centre point of their team. Another player that I was going to bring up is Marko Arnautovic. So he kind of plays similar position for the Austrian national team as he does for Stoke and this kind of left attacking uh, kind of really pushing position and he really sees himself as a leader for Austria really and he has like a really good he has a really good um, relationship with Marcel Koller the manager and he, he thinks that like Mark like the relationship he has with Mark Hughes at Stoke he thinks Marcel Koller really trusts him mm. and they, they both trust each other and he kind of lets him get on with it on the pitch so um I want to bring up one thing with Marta Arnautovic to highlight his bad temperament as a like in his earlier years. Just one similar, thing. Yeah, well, it's sim- sim- in a similar vein to Balotelli. Uh, when he was once when he was once pulled over by a police officer who stopped him, his retort to him was that he made so much money I could buy your life. <laughs> and uh, Mourinho once called him a child. Um, but he started every game in qualifying and he loves playing for Austria and... He, he plays in a very similar way, like I said, for Austria than he does with Stoke. But it comes across when he's playing for Austria is he really wants to succeed for the whole team and maybe not just himself, mm. which is a good thing. And one last player is Christian Fuchs. So Leicester he's the, City uh, Leicester, Premier League champion. Exactly, yeah. So, and he's the captain for Austria. He has the most caps in the squad. And like we said in a previous pod, he, he um, played in the Champions League for Schalke for four yeah. seasons before he joined Leicester. And it's exactly the kind of leader that you want for this team, mm. and it's just great timing as well that he's coming off winning the Premier League. A he's a good character. Attitude, yeah, he's a good. Yeah. He's got. He has a good character as well. He's not. He looks like he. He's up for a bit of a joke as well as being very serious. Yeah. And that's something that. That it's a quality that would, he, that he could give to this Austrian side that's much needed. Well, one thing that uh, uh, international managers often tout uh, behind their decisions. Uh, for picking players, is they're good travellers and they're good, they're good kind of campers, happy campers. Yeah. And uh, Christian Fuchs kind of embodies that, doesn't he? Yeah. So. He's a good, he's a good kind of, he's a good poster boy for the team alongside Alaba and Anatovic. Mm. Those three both bring three very different things to the to the side. Definitely. But they're all they're all very very much positive things. Um, j- just to, just to highlight one player who I, I think um, I've heard is I heard is a a good shout for kind of. Um, a sleeper hit for this tournament. Zlatko Junozovic in, yeah, in the attacking midfield mm-hmm. who plays for Werder Bremen and he's a very kind of exciting, uh, very kind of um, uh, bombastic midfielder. He's got from free kicks. Uh, he's one of the most creative influences. I think the Austrian midfield, again, like we talked about a lot about this tournament with there being a lack of strikers. Austria have one. Mark Janko is prolific 
in qualifying, but the midfield is definitely their best aspect we've seen, despite the, the, the case for most teams. But him, Baumgartlinger, who plays for Mainz in Germany, has also had a good season, and the three of them, including David Alaba, will be will be strong. Um, yeah. But we talked about midfield threes of Croatia's midfield three, but they're 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 very strong as well. So mm. that's probably the, one of their strongest areas. The whole the, the whole formation, the way they set up with that three one moving forwards, it's very like very pressing. Yeah. We're good, also good on the counter attack. Mm. And, and with they, such a great player up front. Yeah, so and they got that, then they got that, that. they had that focal point up front where they can just if they feed him, they mm. they hit him with crosses and almost well just direct hoofs. He's the kind <laughs> he's the kind of guy that he's six foot six, he can bring it down and he's, he can finish well as well. He's mm. got a I think he scored a really good um, bicycle kick goal hmm. in the qualifying campaign that you should look up. Against Russia? Yeah, I think it was against Russia. Oh. And um, like, there's, there's, there's a lot of quality in this Austrian side. There definitely is. And I, I can understand why you've, why you've uh, chosen him, chosen this team as your Jamie yeah. Vardy having a party. I get that now. <laughs> the, the, only um, thing that, the only thing you want to kind of take into account with this Austrian side is they haven't really played many big teams recently. Yeah. So we're saying that they've, they've finished ahead of Sweden and Russia in qualifying. Then, but they're not they're not huge teams. We're not talking like your Germany's or your Spain's or no. your England's. And yeah. it's a bit of an unknown about how they how they play against those kind of sides. But currently they're ninth favourites to win the tournament. It's 30, not bad. Thirty three to one. It's not bad at all. It's mm. not a bad bet. So and with an opening game against Hungary as well, they could get some kind of some stuff yeah. behind it. Yeah, and it's a, and it's an it's an unpredictable group. So yeah. Hungary, Portugal, and Iceland. Mm. Like you you fancy Austria to go through? You would and. You could almost fancy them to really kind of make a mark in this group. Well, yeah, especially if, especially if Portugal falter as well. Mm. And in that in that decisive second game where uh, <clears throat> where uh, Portugal are going to go in wanting to kind of um, consolidate their kind of qualification, uh, Austria could really upset them in that second game. So it'd be interesting to see yeah. what happens there. If they don't qualify from this group, it's a total failure. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If Portugal don't qualify, and you can argue if, if Austria don't qualify as well, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, yeah, Austria, yeah, Austria, yeah, 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 yeah. If they if they don't qualify from the group, it's a total failure. Yeah, yeah. But, considering the players they have, mm. absolutely. Yeah, the only thing they don't necessarily have is much strength on the bench. Brilliant. So that's uh, Austria. Um, moving on to the final team in the group, and uh, someone that I think everyone is looking forward to seeing at this tournament is Iceland. Massive overachievers, uh, Iceland. They have a, a, such a small population. They've done so well to get this far. In qualifying, they came second behind the Czech Republic, and they've, they've really kind of uh, had some good victories in that, in that qualification. They opened their, their qualifying campaign with three consecutive wins, beating um, Turkey 3-0, um, beating the Dutch as well in that in that round. They beat the Dutch twice, actually. 2-0 uh, at home, Sigurdsson with both goals, and they won one and away again, Sigurdsson. With a penalty, they were they were impressive in qualifying. Yeah, so it's it you know it's it's a good kind of uh, a good preparation for the tournament, and also a unique situation in the management. They are the only team in the tournament to have um, two managers. So they have uh, Lars Lagerback, former Swedish player, uh, Swedish uh, Swedish player and uh, manager, took uh, Sweden to five major tournaments between two thousand and two thousand and eight. So really kind of good European tournament experience there. And to partner him, they have Heimer Halgrimsson, who is um, an Iceland uh, Iceland national, very popular in the country, known to go out to the pub and, and talk tactics with um, the locals about the Iceland team. He's also a qualified dentist as well. Yeah. So uh, it's always, That's always useful. It is always yeah. useful, absolutely, yeah. No, no tooth injuries for the... Iceland no tooth injury. yeah, if there is, then they're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He can come onto the pitch and just give him some, give him a, yeah, sort him out right with away. his mask and his little scalpel. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So it's, it's a really interesting uh, setup there, and I think they have a, a good... 
combination of a kind of togetherness in the Iceland squad with Hal Grimson and some, you know, some nous with Lagerback, who is someone who I think is respected across the continent. In their in their kind of their setup as well. So they play a four four one one, and they have. Um, some interesting players. Uh, Hannes uh, Hal Dawson uh, plays for Nijmegen in the Dutch league. Uh, you have Ragnar Sigurdsson, who, uh, if you listen to a previous podcast, uh, uh, Sam Moss predicted would get sent off in the Euros. So we'll have to see what happens. I think he plays in Russia for Krasnodar. So yeah, so well that means he's going to get sent <laughs> off. It's yeah. all so, he's, so he's definitely an angry man. Yeah. And, that, and that fed into my bet about Gudjonsson getting some yeah. some minutes. Yeah, some minutes, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, they have uh, Ragnar at the back, although he's bound to get sent off. Gilfie Sigurdsson in midfield. <laughs> I love it if if if, if, if Gudjonsson came on, but for less than a minute. <laughs> 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 yeah, 30 seconds. That could happen. Sigurdsson in midfield. We all know about Gilfrey Sigurdsson. He anchors the Iceland team. He is uh, the curator of influence in their team and he will be playing centrally for them. Younger um, than I thought he was as well. He's like 26 or something. Is he 26? Yeah. I, I thought he was like 28 or something like that. Yeah, 26. He's fair like, enough. like Lewandowski. He's... he's yeah, deceptively, older, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Christian Eriksen, who's another one that I always think is like yeah. 28 or something. How old like is Christian Eriksen? 23 or something. Uh, 23, 23 yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, uh, for me, that was always Lampard for ages until he actually got old. I always yeah. thought he was old all the time, and he wasn't, and he finally was old. The best one of those was Nobby Solano, who's 35 for about 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it, was it Carney? Carney was like 42 yeah. when he was playing the Yeah, Carney was playing the 60s. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah, so Gilbert Sigerson has had a pretty good season for Swansea, and um, really, you know, obviously great for free kicks. Has that kind of that dead ball threat as well. Um, I think he's someone who could do really well for Iceland and be really, really determined to uh, face Portugal in that in that first game as well. So um, he's someone definitely to watch in this tournament. Um, up front, they have John Daddy Bodvarsson and Colbyn Sigthorsen. Uh, so uh, Bodvarsson plays for Kaiserslautern in the Bundes two, and Sigthorsen plays for Nantes in the League U. And off the bench, of course, they have Iger Johnson, who could be getting some minutes in this tournament. Yeah. You never know. But yeah, so they've, they've got they've got some interesting players. So Adam, uh, an interesting uh, partnership up front of uh, of uh, Sig Thorson and Bod Varson. Yeah, Sig Thorson's uh, been interesting. He was at Ajax for a long time. Um, made the move to France this year. I think he's only got three league goals, despite starting pretty much every game that he was fit for. He was in and out with injury. Um, is a is a strong player. Holds the ball up well, but is not prolific by any means. When you think about players that have moved out of Holland to, to the bigger leagues, they're, they're often so prolific that they, you know, like Alfonso Alves, Matai Kesman didn't succeed and they were prolific in Holland. He was by no means as prolific as they were and has failed to, to be consistently good for, for Nantes this season. And it's interesting how they'll, they'll, they'll line up up front because uh, they were only considered six goals in qualifying. They were really quite solid. In fact, those first three wins, they didn't concede a goal in any of those games. Um, and they played a 4 4 1 1. Their midfield is pretty combative. Um, Bjarnason from Basel is in there and a couple of players with, with English experience as well um, and Sig Torsten kind of played off Sig, uh, sorry, yeah, Sig, Sig Erdson, sorry, played off Sig Torsten um, It's not confusing, is it? No, it's not, not at all um, which made them, made them relatively solid and they, they, you know, they, 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 they defended their leads well but the, the management team do switch to a 4-4-2 which is drastically more attacking with Sig Torsten playing in central midfield with makes them very, pretty, pretty open in fact they've played that more in recent friendlies, which is they've not been as strong in recent friendlies, conceding quite a lot of goals and losing a number of the, the more recent games. Alfred Finn Bogerson, who is at Sociedad for quite a while, not a favourite of David Moyes, but has turned up at Augsburg in Germany and been, it's called, I think it's got 7 in 15 since Christmas. Um, so he, he's an option up front, but him and uh, Bod Varsen will come in uh, to, 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 to the forward line to join Sig Torsen if they switch to 4 4 2. Yeah, they're, they're an interesting team, and I think I'm going to use my Jamie Vardy. Oh, hello. Jamie Vardy's having a party. Because, because Leicester came from nowhere to win the league. They had a brilliant end to last season, but 
they were they're not it wasn't like it wasn't like Southampton won the league was it it wasn't like one of the you know the dark horses won the league it was like someone came from nowhere to win the league and Iceland are, are strong in qualifying um, but only have a population of 300,000 people so like if, if, if anything's going to be like Leicester I think Iceland but do you think it's that they have a genuine chance of being successful in this tournament I think they can get out of the group I, I think they'll beat Hungary and I think they, they could take points off the other two Depending on how they play and depending on you know a bit of luck possibly. So a burst, I can see them a burst for like four points then, which could definitely yeah, get them through. Do you see them going through as a third? Possibly, yeah. I can see them getting. I can see them sneaking a draw somewhere else, maybe, mm. depending on how Austria play and how on form Cristiano Ronaldo is. Yeah. So you know, I think four points pretty much takes you through where whichever group you're in. So mm. I think um, I think another another really important, probably the most important point of, of the entire Euros actually is that they are in in the the cataclysmic clash. That is Iceland Austria, <laughs> ah. and uh, I'm really looking forward to actually going to that game myself. Me and Adam are off to Iceland Austria in the I'm summer. I'm surprised you haven't caved to one of the many offers you've probably been given for those tickets. <laughs> you can probably make quite a, quite a yeah. Point there's account. people like knocking <laughs> down the door <laughs> constantly. So yeah, we're off to we're off to Iceland Austria. Are we looking forward to it, Adam? I am very much looking forward to it. Are you going to pod from? I'm, I'm thinking. I'm yeah. thinking we might might do some recordings while we're there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. There we go. Actually, do some do Facebook Live from the <laughs> through Eurofiles from uh, from Iceland, Austria. Indeed. But yeah, it's it's going to be an inter- it's going to be an interesting. I actually genuinely think because when we got tickets, I mean, you were you were positive. I was like, oh, I really wanted England Wales, and we got Iceland, Austria. Hmm. But actually, it should be quite an interesting game in the context of this group. Hmm. Um, be the last game in the group as well. Last game in the group, they could be fighting for second place, hmm. and they probably will or be fighting place. for second place. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So it could be it could be effectively a knockout game depending on how the other groups go. Mm-hmm. So. Actually, could be a pretty damn good game yeah, in exactly the, uh, in the Stade de France. Yeah, so they know exactly what they have to do, won't they? Because they're being the last. They're not the last group that actually plays. There's a game. There's a game. There's another group plays. Because yeah. Group E play last for some reason. Which is but, weird. Yeah, in the evening. But they have a good idea of what they need to do to come like, get through to their place. So. And uh, most of the population will be inside the Stade de France for that too. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. So that I'm really looking forward to that. Actually, yeah. it's be good. It's good uh, to get some you Euros mentioned uh, Lagerback. Not not the first time he's been part of a management team. I think he was when he was Swedish manager. He was also part of the pair hmm. uh, in, in a Roy Evans and Roy Evans, uh, Roy Evans and Gerald Houllier kind of way, and he's retiring after the tournament. And uh, Hal Grimson is taking over as sole sole coach. Well, one thing I always find really interesting about Iceland is uh, Hal Dawson, their goalkeeper. They're not particularly strong in the goalkeeping department, but um, he uh, he's also a, um, a, a a movie or film uh, producer. <laughs> and he directed the video for their Iceland's uh, for Iceland's Eurovision entry in 2012, <laughs> which had Johnsy from um, Sigur Rosen. Really? Yeah, yeah. So he, he directed the video, and he's also directed adverts for Icelandic Air, I think. As oh, well. wow. Okay. And he, when he was asked about it, he just said, "Oh, well, there aren't that many people in Iceland, so there aren't many producers, so someone's got to do it." <laughs> like, so he's moving. He went to Bodo Glimt in Norway, and, and was now on loan at Nijmegen, as you mentioned, and. Uh, his uh, his company that he worked for in Iceland have promised him his old job back when he retires, <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's you know he can walk back into his his film career. He's set up for life. He is, yeah. Brilliant. What sort of an age are they? What's their average? I think it's interesting because they're all a similar sort of age, twenty six, twenty seven. A lot oh, okay. of them are their better players because about fifteen years ago in Iceland they sort of invested in artificial pitches like three D style pitches, some of them with those inflatable domes, and um, because because of the climate there, football was only played for less than half of the year, and now with the artificial pitches some of them indoors they was able to sort of flourish mm. all year round so like the generation of players has sort of come out of that so they've there's a golden generation if you like which includes Sigurdsson, Bjarmason, players like that, Finn Bogerson, Bob Larson who've come through together so yeah. they, they don't have many experienced players apart from Michael Johnson who you mentioned earlier who did get in the squad and will definitely play at some point uh, so 
for whether it's more or less than a minute, minute is uh, open to debate. But, <laughs> Hopefully, um, more for Tom's yeah, sake. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, so that's that's Iceland, and uh, that's 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 the end of our previews. Uh, uh, before we we finish, it uh, it's down to Liam who has the right and responsibility to predict the official. Uh, uh, way that this group's going to finish for the Eurofile. So down to you, Liam. Off you go. I think this is a tough one. I think Very tough one. Especially at the top. Yeah. Um, I mean, my instinct is to say that Portugal will do it, but I mean, it really. really I think Austria Remember that we have, have more, two Jamie Vardys in this that's group. That's the thing. I think Austria are better positioned as it stands, well, and Portugal been, rely. Been <laughs> I have been. I, I thought that was a really, a really good argument, but because Portugal really are relying on them clicking and finding finding a goal threat, whereas Austria seem like they're more of a complete team at the moment I'm tempted to put Austria first and really? then Portugal second okay so Cause it happened, Austria it? first yeah. Portugal second yeah and then I mean I, it's, I think it's going to have to be Iceland, Iceland. I, I mean again who knows when it comes to this sort of thing but they have so much more to them than Hungary yeah. Sorry, the Hungary do as a team. Yeah, definitely. So you're saying Austria, Portugal, Iceland, Hungary that's my prediction yeah. brilliant great stuff in. fantastic uh, there we go. So that's the end of our, our previews. Uh, this is this is probably the last podcast that will go out before uh, the start of the Euros. Actually, probably go out after the start of the Euros, but still. <laughs> <laughs> I think that we'll we'll probably try and come back for a the break between the uh, group stages and knockout stages and have a bit of a look forward to the knockouts and see how we think uh, the teams <coughs> are going. Hopefully, England will still be in it so we can discuss them. Uh, but thanks for joining us for the, these uh, previews. I'm um, sorry if there's been any birds tweeting in the background. We're filming this with the window open because it's really hot in here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, thanks for that. But thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you again soon. So, uh, uh, Adam, uh, uh, Colboy and Sigth Orson are a very promising player. You won't say that's okay. shit. Okay. He's so not, yeah. he's not <laughs> shit. He's been <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. And and like, um, I'm, I'm as a United fan, I'm livid that he decided yeah. to come to us. He's gone to Bayern instead, and that's a shame. But like I say, a really, you know, promising player. And mm. you know, this team is looking increasingly like it isn't a one man. Sorry, I'll, 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 I'll